Okay, well, things are looking up, at least here in New York, now that we have uh, Il Duce, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, one step away from being the former Governor Andrew Cuomo of the state of New York, but the country is still in pretty bad shape because we still have sleepy Joe Biden at the helm and a lot of his idiots that he's been appointing to various uh, posts, uh, not the least of which is this lunatic, Rochelle Walensky, that he appointed as the head of the CDC. And if ever there was proof that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, all you have to do is listen to Rochelle Walensky and Dr. Fauci, and you know that it's true. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the National Preview Online podcast, the NPO podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of three easy ways. You can go to the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store, and you can simply search out the NPO podcast and click subscribe. Or you can go to those app stores and download the free Podbean app. Podbean.com is our hosting service, which is used by myself and many other podcasters. And you can search the NPO podcast there and subscribe by way of that third-party podcast aggregator app if you choose to do so. Some people like a third-party app rather than their native podcast app in iTunes or the Google Play Store. Either way, you will be able to be notified when new episodes are uploaded, and you will be able to leave reviews and comments uh, about the podcast, and we'd like plenty of both as we need them in order to grow the show. Now, as I mentioned before, we had arranged for social sharing of the podcast on YouTube, but YouTube has some very queer ideas on freedom of speech. And if you say anything or suggest anything that they don't agree with, that automatically qualifies as misinformation under their misinformation policy. And based on their misinformation policy, they justify censorship and don't allow you to say it which I still say is pretty amusing considering that Google owns YouTube and my podcast is published on the Google Podcast Store regularly. Be that as it may, it seems that uh, CDC director Rochelle Walensky is having difficulty in how to really communicate about COVID-19. Quote, I'm struggling, really struggling with how to communicate to people who are worried about politics, and I just want them to continue to be at their family's dinner table. Now, she just got appointed in January, and she's receiving a lot of criticism from both experts and the public because she's shifting back and forth, left and right, her and her agency, uh, regarding the guidance they're giving people with the wearing of masks and so forth. Several weeks ago, The CDC reversed a previous recommendation and stated that all people, regardless of whether they're vaccinated or not, should wear masks indoors in high transmission areas, while saying that all children should wear masks upon returning to school. Uh, In May, the agency had eased guidelines with respect to masks uh, and said that, you know, if you're vaccinated, You really don't have to wear them while in public. And uh, several local uh, politicians and businesses uh, in the aftermath of that guidance dropped their mask mandates. Uh, 
quote, there was enormous pressure for vaccinated people to be able to do things that they wanted to get back to doing. Well, what did you expect after people have been living like inmates and forced to go around looking like bank robbers for the better part of a year and a half? Don't you think they would expect to get back to some degree of normalcy? That's not exactly a revelation. Uh, Now, but she says stupid things. In in that way, she's not unlike uh, Dr. Fauci, who also says stupid things, probably because he's stupid. Um, She told CNN last week that the vaccines don't prevent the transmission of COVID-19 at all. Well, then what the hell was the purpose of getting vaccinated if it doesn't prevent you from getting it? Our vaccines, quote, this is a quote from the Epic Times, our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent that, meaning they prevent severe illness and death, read between the line. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. Now, this drew extremely critical feedback. Now, despite her comments, the CDC still says on its websites that vaccines are an effective bulwark against transmitting the virus, although they aren't 100% effective. Now, this is an extreme revelation. You all have taken vaccines for a variety of things in the past. I've taken vaccines uh, in the past. I never get the flu vaccine precisely because... uh, they're guessing when they make the flu vaccine what strain of the flu it's going to be. So obviously, if you're not sure what strain of the flu it's going to be, you can't come up with a sufficiently efficacious compound to prevent uh, contracting the flu and uh, transmitting it. But in the case of COVID, you know what the virus structure is. So the whole idea was to come up with a vaccine that would prevent the transmission of COVID. That's what vaccines do. They're supposed to prevent transmission. And now they're telling us, or she's telling us, that the, vi- that the vaccines can't prevent transmission anymore. That even if, you're ba- even if you've been vaccinated, you're going to get it, or you can get it. Now, did you think that when you got the vaccine? I know I didn't. I only got the vaccine not because I was worried about COVID. I got the vaccine because I work for myself, and I could no longer take the financial hit that I was going to be subjected to if I subsequently tested positive for the virus and was forced to close my businesses and not being able to work. So there was a big financial component there. If I had worked for a government agency or an employer who would have paid me to stay home while I was convalescing with COVID, I never would have gotten the bloody vaccine. But now they're telling us it's not effective. Now, the CDC hasn't responded to any request for comment on Walensky's statement. Uh, during a Wall Street Journal interview, she noted that she that uh, that as the Biden administration won't support a vaccine passport system, there was no better way to tell vaccinated people to resume their public activities than rescind the mask recommendation in May. The guidance reversal, among other statements that the press she added, have been misinterpreted. So I couldn't actually see a pathway that didn't lead to an honor system. It was never a permission, although it was interpreted that way, for unmasking cities and unmasking jurisdictions. Listen, let's forget all that. Who gives a damn about the mask? I never said the mask was effective anyway. I told you from the jump street that the mask wasn't effective um, in, in protecting you from the virus. The mask was only going to be marginally effective in preventing people who had the virus from spreading it. 
which is exactly the same reason why when you go into hospital for surgery, all of the operating room staff are masked. They're not worried about getting what you have because very often what you have is not infectious. People who go in um, to have uh, uh, gastric bypass, for instance, they're not infectious in any way, but their epithelial layer is being opened up, their body's first defense against infection, and so they wear masks to prevent these open wounds from being infected. So it stands to reason the masks would work in that manner, but if someone doesn't have a mask on and you're wearing a mask and you're not infected, and an infected person who is unmasked coughs on you, it doesn't get into your system per se because the mask is preventing that. But it gets onto the mask, and people are constantly fiddling with their masks. Even this idiot Fauci admitted that. And the minute you do that, now the mask is on. Now the the um, the germs are on your fingers. If you don't wash frequently, wash your hands, and you touch your face or touch your nose or your lips or your mouth, now you've gotten it. So the mask was never this panacea that a lot of people want to believe that it was. But let's forget about the mask. I want to get back to this business that she says the vaccines don't prevent transmission. This is just one of the many mixed signals we're getting about this virus. And this virus I've been maintaining all along has been um, utilized by very, very um, sinister forces in this country to try and manipulate people for a variety of nefarious objectives, not the least of which was the compromising and the manipulation of our last election. Now, juxtapose that with the remarks from this idiot Fauci. Fauci now says it's likely inevitable that everyone will need a COVID-19 booster shot. See, once they've got you under that thumb, you're going to be living with this COVID for the foreseeable future. Trust me on this. They found something that they now know cuts across all political lines because they're going to strike straight at the heart of fear. Everyone has a certain fear factor. And until people finally realize that they've been hoodwinked and they've been had, they're going to keep pressing that fear advantage. So now he was, he's now become the COVID-19 advisor to the White House, Anthony Fauci. He was sort of that in the Trump administration, but Trump sort of pushed him to the side when he realized he was full of crap. Uh, It's likely and inevitable that people will need a COVID-19 vaccine booster shot. So says Fauci, as the CDC is scheduled to meet on Friday to discuss the possibility of giving additional doses to certain individuals. And he says it's likely it will happen at some time in the future. Now, initially, these booster shots are going to be given and only recommended for immunocompromised people, people who already have a problem with their immune system, people with diabetes and a host of other uh, maladies which could predispose you to contracting COVID-19 and or cause you to uh, contract a more severe case of COVID-19. But he goes on to say in a separate interview that he did with NBC News, That inevitably, this is a direct quote, there will be a time when we'll have to give boosts to the general population. So everyone's going to get a booster. And I'd love to know what they're putting in this stuff. I'd really like to know why we need a booster when you consider that these vaccines are not 
the sort of vaccines in the in the working definition that most of us think of when we think of vaccines. Most of us think of vaccines as being injected either with a weakened version uh, of the virus that we're trying to vaccinate against or a dead version of the virus that we're trying to vaccinate against so that our bodies can come up with antibodies for these viruses and attack them should we ever become exposed uh, to the actual virus. That doesn't happen with the COVID-19 vaccines. There's no antibodies in them whatsoever. It's supposed to instead give you certain protein boosters which allow your body's immune system to fight these things without actually introducing a dead or weakened virus into your system. So it meets one of the working definitions that the CDC has for what constitutes a vaccine. In the true sense, a vaccine is anything which prevents transmission or reduces the severity Uh, if you do receive transmission of the thing you're vaccinated against. So on that score, it qualifies as a vaccine, but it's not the type of vaccine that you and I think of when we think of vaccines against the measles or rubella, whatever you wish to call it, and polio and so forth and so on. But later that same day, when Fauci gave his interview to NBC, you have Walensky, again, this dimwit from the CDC, telling reporters in a virtual briefing that drug regulators are working with Pfizer and Moderna to allow boosters for vulnerable people, such as those with compromised immune systems. It's the same thing that Fauci is saying. So I guess they're communicating. An additional dose could help increase protection for these individuals, which is especially important as the Delta variant spread. At this time, only certain immune-compromised individuals may need an additional dose. But don't we all need an additional dose, doctor, uh, according to you, since the vaccine no longer prevents transmission? Are you saying it just reduces severity? I mean, I think many of the people who got it, I think this would come as very, very shocking news to most of the people who reluctantly got these vaccines to learn that they're, they're not protected against the virus to the extent that they're not going to get it, that they're going to get it anyway, but they're just going to get a less severe case of it. I don't think that that's what people... Uh, thought. And if you listen to the interview that Fauci gave um, on Thursday, he seems to sort of echo what this Walensky is saying, saying to NBC that the vaccines, quote, are still doing what you originally want them to do, which is to keep you out of the hospital to prevent you from getting seriously ill. It sounds to me like he's saying it just prevents you from getting seriously ill and getting keeping you out of the hospital. It doesn't sound to me like he's saying it's preventing you from getting it. Meanwhile, they have a new study um, from um, Neference and the Mayo Clinic finding that the Moderna and Pfizer COVID-19 shots, which use this mRNA technology, not the dead virus, saw a decline in their effectiveness in July. Pfizer's dropped to a really low effective rate of 42% against the virus. Moderna, that's the one I got, dropped to 76%. Uh, This study did not evaluate the effectiveness of the Johnson & Johnson's vaccine. They use a different type of technology. Quote says here, while both mRNA COVID vaccines, meaning read that to mean Moderna and Pfizer, strongly protect against infection and severe disease, the researchers wrote. 
there are differences in their real-world effectiveness relative to each other and relative to prior months of the pandemic. So after all of this nonsense and all of this bullshit, uh, nobody really knows what the hell they're talking about. So they got you spinning and twisting in the breeze like a sheet of confetti. And all of this is designed, in my opinion, to maintain control over you, to keep you looking to the government for guidance, recommendations. And it's very easy to compel this because they're going to use the almighty dollar. People who work for themselves or work in private industries are going to be crippled by regulations and mandates that they're going to issue ostensibly on the um, premise of protecting us from ourselves. And now you have the Justice Department getting in the act again. Uh, you recall we spoke a few months ago on this show that the changes in the election laws in the six states uh, that were made by executive fiat by the secretary of state of those individual states and or the governors is in violation of the United States Constitution. Now, whether you believe or don't believe that the election results were altered is irrelevant. What you must understand and must believe is that elections in this country are run at the state level, and the states have autonomy over how they govern certain aspects of their elections. They're the ones that decide whether uh, certain people can vote, whether felons can vote. That's why felons can vote in one state but not in another state. They're the ones that decide who gets an absentee ballot or what's the criteria for an absentee ballot. They're the ones who decide whether there's early voting or there's not early voting in those states. And there's a great argument against early voting because it compromises the integrity of an election. When everyone has to vote on the same day, you have a greater in, um, uh, security in your elections. Not to say that you can't have absentee ballots, but those are ballots that have to be specifically requested. They're not automatically sent out. They're re requested by specific individuals at a specific address. Uh, and so it doesn't compromise the election the way this mass uh, mail-in ballot, unsolicited mail-in ballot, uh, goes on. And so a lot of people think that that was wrong, and many of the lawsuits surrounding that had to do with the constitutionality of the manner in which these changes were made uh, to these state election laws. These the plenary authority to change election laws rests with the legislatures of the individual states. And much of uh, this legal unrest that you see in the aftermath of the election has to do not necessarily with people disputing the outcome, but definitely with people uh, disagreeing with the manner in which these things were changed. Now, somebody on the Democratic side must feel these changes are very good because the Democrats worked assiduously to pass House Resolution 1. And that was basically going to federalize elections and make mandatory for all 50 states the sort of changes that conveniently were made last minute under the cover of darkness uh, by these six states where there was allegations of fraud um, and make it mandatory for all 50 states. So the sort of thing which caused all this problem and all this controversy in the six states in question would have been done in all 50 states if House Resolution 1 were passed. It didn't cut the mustard. They killed it in the Senate. You had Joe Manchin of West Virginia, a Democrat, voted against it. The senator from Arizona, whose name escapes me at the moment, she voted against it. That and all the Republicans voted against it, so it was dead in the water. But not to be outdone, 
The Justice Department is getting involved in the act. Say, whenever you can't do something the legal way through the Congress or the legislature, we do things the illegal way through the executive branch. And so U.S. Attorney Merrick Garland makes great uh, strides here. You remember Merrick Garland? He was the middle of the road justice, so described by people like Schumer and others uh, that wanted to be confirmed to the Supreme Court in the closing months of the Obama administration and were stopped by Mitch McConnell. And everybody said that was wrong. Well, I don't know how middle of the road Merrick Garland is. Let me read you some pull quotes or read you much of the article here in the Epic Times uh, about what Garland has just told states. And this all came to the fore because ranking members of the Judiciary Committee in the House and the subcommittee in the House on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties sent Garland a letter criticizing his recent directive to the Justice Department on resetting elections uh, to pre-pandemic laws. It was Jim Jordan and Mike Johnson, Jordan from Ohio, Johnson from Louisiana, who told Garland that the election guidance the DOJ issued in July is misguided as it is the state's responsibility, as I just told you, to set election laws, not the Justice Department. In their letter, Jordan and Johnson said the Constitution empowers state legislatures with the primary responsibility for setting election rules and that Garland's guidance opposes the founding. Many of the changes the state and local governments made to voting procedures in 2020 were temporary, emergency changes to promote both the safety of their citizens and robust democratic participation during the pandemic. This is the congressmen that are writing this. These jurisdictions should be allowed to evaluate the changing circumstances and their experiences in 2020 and make appropriate lawful changes without the threat of litigation from the federal government. Now, that brings to mind, what is it that the federal government is saying to these states that's causing this impassioned response from Jordan and Johnson? Because everything they said is exactly right. Now, I never agreed with these changes that were made to begin with, because the notion that we had to have mail-in voting for the safety of the population, to me, was ludicrous. These same people who said, oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I can't vote, COVID, COVID, they're all going to the supermarket, they're all waiting online at Walmart. Uh, Don't tell me you're afraid of transmission. You're out and about in public. All of a sudden, you can't go and vote, please. Give me a break. Well, anyway, the key message in the DOJ's guidance was to not allow states to return their voting rules to the pre-pandemic status. And if they do, it will be seen as an unlawful action by the DOJ and subject to an increased oversight and possible litigation. Now listen to some of this guidance that uh, is a quote from the, the memo that the DOJ sent out in July. Quote, the department's enforcement policy does not consider a jurisdiction's readoption of prior voting laws or procedures to be presumptively lawful, meaning that just because you went back to the way it was before and the way it was before was perfectly legal, we don't give you a presumption that it's lawful for you to go back the way it was before. Instead, the department will review a jurisdiction's changes in voting laws or procedures for compliance with all federal laws regarding elections as the facts and circumstances warrant. Now, let's talk about this. Not every state 
engaged in these changes. It was primarily confined to six states, Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. The Democrats would have loved if more states did it, but those states primarily are the ones at issue. So having failed to achieve their objective through the passage of H.R. 1, they're at least doing everything they can to try and ensure that the states that, they, that did change their laws to have elections conducted in a manner which is more favorable to the Democratic Party's objectives remain as is and don't go back to the way they were. And this seems to be the point of contention uh, on the part of Congressman Jordan uh, and Johnson, as seen here in their response. Whether wittingly or not, your new guidance makes you complicit in a broader effort by elected Democrats to politicize federal voting rights laws. Democrats allege that recent lawful state voter integrity measures, such as Georgia's SB 202 and proposed Texas legislation, constitute Jim Crow 2.0 and voter suppression. In reality, these states are enacting common-sense voter integrity measures, many of which increase voting access beyond what is available in Democrat-run states. And I think the congressmen are right on target with this, because there's no question about it. This is exactly what's happening. All this nonsense that happened in those six states, Democrats loved it. There were states that they controlled at the executive level, even though in many of those states, like Arizona and Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, the legislature was controlled by Republican Party. That's the whole reason why they did an administrative or an executive, rather, end run around the legislative body and did it by executive fiat to accomplish what they could not legally accomplish. And it's unthinkable to me how on the basis of that alone, this constitutional basis, that those changes were not deemed unlawful by the Supreme Court and those uh, vote counts in those states uh, were not invalidated on that constitutional basis. But that goes beyond it. But you see, there is real, real conspiratorial conduct afoot here. Of course this is in cahoots. You think it's just a coincidence that failing to get H.R. 1 passed, this dupe of the Democratic Party, Merrick Garland, the choice for the Supreme Court of the most radical president we ever had in the history of our union, Barack Obama, you think it's a coincidence that now that he is sitting in charge of the DOJ as the Attorney General, is enacting this in the, in the aftermath of H.R. 1 failing. This is a concerted effort. This is a deliberate effort. They are not letting go. And when you look at that and juxtapose it with the nonsense you see coming out of other arms of the federal government, like the CDC, talking about booster shots being needed for the immunocompromised and now in short order going to be needed for the entire general population, and now this revelation that it's really not effective against transmission, it's only going to help the severity, they've got you twisting in the breeze. And until people snap out of it and realize that they've been had, we're going to have more of this. And I'm telling you, people are realizing it. You're not being allowed to hear it because you have a media which is complicit in this. You have a media which is so left that it is almost actually communist-controlled. You're not getting news from CNN. You're getting garbage. You're not getting news from NBC or CBS or ABC. You're getting garbage. 
every little opportunity they can to skew the truth, even on things that don't matter. I saw something recently where they wanted to sh- they showed a photo of the Rose Garden, which Melania Trump, before she left office, uh, had completely redone. And it was a, about a year in the making. They showed a photo in the early days of this uh, renovation of the Rose Garden, so there were no roses in it, naturally. And this journalist is posting this photo on Twitter, uh, ostensibly as a a representation of what it looks like today, which is a complete falsehood. Today it's filled with roses and it's beautiful. So even on things that don't matter, they can't bring themselves to tell the truth. Why would you think they would tell the truth on things that do matter? You're being lied to six ways to Sunday, my friends. And if you don't wake up soon, your freedom is going to be taken away from you. And by the time you realize it's gone, it's going to be so far gone, you're not going to be able to get it back. So start pushing back now. Start pushing back against these stupid booster shot mandates. Start pushing back against these ridiculous vaccine mandates. Start pushing back against these teachers unions who are sitting there and probably will soon be the most hated people in America next to politicians because they don't want to get off their ass, go back to work and teach our kids. And when they do teach them, they want to teach them critical race theory and a lot of other crap that doesn't matter and is not true in the first place. All to undermine the legitimacy of the founding of the United States of America in the minds of our children so they have no pride, no sense of pride in their country or their heritage and no reason to wish to perpetuate it and defend the liberties which we rise and sleep under every night like a blanket. Douglas MacArthur was not wrong when he said no man or woman for that matter should be endowed with the blessings of liberty, lest they be vigilant in its preservation. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.